Pastor Ed Taylor on the freedom forgiveness gives. To be in captivity for 37 years is quite significant. To, to make bitterness and resentment friends. And sadly, some people would rather stay in their captivity than enjoy the freedom of the Lord and His grace and His mercy. Remaining in captivity is not the will of Jesus Christ for you. He wants to set you free. In a very real way, we are set free as we take the steps of forgiveness. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for. Is there someone in your life that you're having a hard time forgiving? Maybe they committed a wrong against you years ago, and you still feel the effects of that today. Well, while you may be thinking of all the reasons why you won't forgive them, today on Abounding Grace, we'd like you to mull over some compelling reasons why we should forgive. First and foremost, we forgive because God forgave us in Christ Jesus. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor in 2 Kings chapter 25. Please take your Bibles, open them to 2 Kings chapter 25 and Jeremiah chapter 52 in a Bible study that I've entitled, The Freedom Forgiveness Gives. The Freedom Forgiveness Gives. A number of years ago in a small town in Spain, a man and his teenage son had a very difficult fight, a very painful argument. They had a falling out that led to deep feelings of bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness on both sides. This caused the son to launch out on his own, angry and upset. And he took off and left the country where he lived for the city. Not soon after that, the dad, he regretted it. He sensed the mistakes that he made and how he treated his son. And he took off to search for his boy day and night. And even after several months, he wasn't able to find him. Until finally, as one last-ditch effort, he placed the following ad in the classified section of the Madrid newspaper. And it simply said, and I quote, Dear Paco, meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. By 12 o'clock the next day, there were over 800 men named Paco, gathered outside the newspaper building, only showing that every one of them was looking for the forgiveness from his father. There's a desperate need for forgiveness today. And I wonder if such a general advertisement would be put out on Facebook or Instagram today saying forgiveness is available with your name, that you wouldn't find yourself showing up with other people with the same name, looking for forgiveness that you have never received. There's a desperate need for forgiveness as we see families are broken and marriages are dissolved and painful circumstances continue to happen with separation and division, and it's a hard time. The Bible says in the last days that the hearts of many will grow cold. Unless we just read that 
for those separate from God, it's also possible for our hearts to grow cold and hard toward the things of God. The influence of the devil to hold on to resentment and anger and bitterness and basically live with an unforgiving spirit continues to weaken the church, divide families, and erode the effectiveness of believers' lives. More damage, more pain, and more ongoing separation is rooted in the sin of unforgiveness. And yes, the Bible declares it to be a sin. And more continual separation is not only as unforgiveness exists, but it's matched with a lack of repentance and humility. Early on in the discipleship of the followers of Jesus, including us, Jesus would speak on this subject and he would say in Matthew chapter 6 verse 14, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Forgiveness of others is non-negotiable. It's not even on a multiple choice quiz for the believer. We're to forgive as we've been forgiven. Unless you aren't convinced, consider, number one, forgiveness is commanded by God. Forgiveness is a command, and obedience is not optional. Mark chapter 11, verse 25. When you are praying, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. It's a command. Number two, forgiveness reflects the very image of Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 23, verse 32. Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. Finally, they came to a place called the skull, and all three were crucified there. Jesus on the center cross and the two others on either side. And Jesus said, and I quote, Father, forgive these people because they don't know what they're doing. And then the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. Forgiveness reflects the image of Jesus. Thirdly, forgiveness breaks down strongholds in our lives. Forgiveness breaks down strongholds. When you and I forgive, we experience healing to our hurting hearts. And forgiveness is the one major antidote to bitterness. Obedience to forgive brings freedom and enables one to start over in a relationship by the grace and mercy of God. The entire true story of the life of Joseph illustrates the freedom forgiveness brings. And then finally, number four, forgiveness loosens the stranglehold of guilt in the offender. No longer will that person have to rehearse their sin and carry it unforgiven by someone else. They actually become released by love and kindness. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 7 says, And so as God always points to us as examples of the incredible wealth of his favor and kindness toward us, as shown in all he has done for us through Christ Jesus. He always points us to the wealth. This is from the New Living. The wealth and favor of his kindness toward us. Forgiveness brings freedom to everyone involved. Remember, we forgive because God forgives us in Christ. The same forgiveness that we receive undeserved and unearned is what we owe to others and functions to relieve the oppressive burden of what we know is guilt. If Jesus had not extended kindness and forgiveness to sinners, we would forever exist in the stranglehold of guilt, sin, and darkness. 
Now, let me add here, this is not an area where we're going to develop in our Bible study, but forgiveness and reconciliation are actually two distinct things. And the confusion that comes with forgiveness often is by confusing those two as one. Forgiveness is an act of obedience by whereby you, you extend the freedom and forgiveness to someone else. It actually, the root of the word forgiveness means to release and to let go, to forgive a debt. And so the very act of forgiveness acknowledges that someone hurt us, acknowledges that there's pain, and acknowledges that there are issues, and you make a conscious decision, whether you can communicate it to them or not. Because sometimes unforgiveness is rooted to someone that's already passed away. And whether they're available to connect or not, you daily before the Lord release them when feelings of bitterness and, and all kinds of grudge and all that stuff shows up in your heart. Reconciliation is usually the natural byproduct of forgiveness, but it requires an additional step by the other. And that additional step is repentance. Without repentance, there can be no restoration of relationship. That's why it becomes frustrating when you say, but I've forgiven them, but nothing has changed. Well, it's not entirely true that nothing has changed because by your extending forgiveness, you're free. And you say, but Pastor Ed, you don't understand. They continue to sin against me over and over and over again. So it feels like it was the very first time. And the answer to that is forgiveness. Forgiveness while you're praying for repentance. And so in the pamphlet we have, you can email me, and I know this will be out on the radio at a later time, so you can email me directly, pastored at calvaryaurora.org, and ask for the forgiveness packet from this Bible study, and I will quickly respond to that email with a link where you can download the PDF of a pamphlet called Forgiveness and Reconciliation. It's very short, very easy to read, filled with scripture that will elaborate even deeper on this topic of forgiveness. So Pastor Ed at calvaryaurora.org, and I'll respond to that email as fast as I can, turning around with a link where you can download that PDF, and then you can pass it on and use it. We have permission to use it. We have permission to pass it on, and it's very powerful. It's something that's good to revisit from time to time because there's always a new year. There's always new hurts and always new difficulties and new thoughts, and the enemy's relentless. But for our time today, forgiveness is essential. It's a command. It's something that we're able to extend and be free from it ourselves. And today in this section of 2 Kings, I want to draw your attention to chapter 25 and verse 27 to a king by the name of Jehoiachin. And in this study of King Jehoiachin, we're going to learn a beautiful picture of forgiveness. You see, in the chapter... Jerusalem has fallen, and the second to the last king of Judah has been in prison for 37 years. And during this time, King Nebuchadnezzar has pridefully, those of you that have studied Daniel, he has pridefully declared his great power and his great possessions only to be humbled by God. We learn of this in Daniel chapter 4, verse 30, 
where it says the king, speaking of Nebuchadnezzar, says, is this not great Babylon that I have built for myself, a royal dwelling, my mighty power, and for the honor of my majesty? And you Bible students know that while the words were still in his mouth, while he was still declaring these things, God gave him the mind of a beast. Imagine the king of the known world who has just conquered Judah and taken all of the possessions and taken all of the people and taken captive is now like a beast. Well, his son, which is an interesting name, his son is evil Merodach, takes his place to rule Babylon. And at the end of the seven years of this madness in Nebuchadnezzar, he ends up praising God, returns to the throne, discovering the evil of his son's rule, and threw him into prison. But then Nebuchadnezzar dies, and his son gets out of prison and gets the chance to rule again. This is where I want you to go to Jeremiah chapter 52 with me as we gain insight of this time in the history of King Jehoiachin of Judah. Nebuchadnezzar, his son, goes to prison, gets out, and now notice what happens. Jeremiah 52 verse 31. Now it came to pass in the 37th year of the captivity of Jehoiachin, king of Judah, in the 12th month, on the 25th day of the month, that evil Merodach, king of Babylon, in the first year of his reign, lifted up the head of Jehoiachin, king of Judah, and brought him out of prison. And he spoke kindly to him and gave him a more prominent seat than those of all the kings who were with him in Babylon. So Jehoiachin changed from the prison garments, and he ate bread regularly before the king all the days of his life. And as for his provisions, there was a regular ration given him by the king of Babylon, a portion for each day until the day of his death, all the days of his life. One of the very first things that Nebuchadnezzar's son does is go to prison and pull Jehoiachin out of prison. He gave him a kingship higher than all the ones of all the Babylonian kingdom. And imagine that. It's hard to put into thought being imprisoned for 37 years. And I wonder, I wonder if it was a very weird feeling, a very awkward adjustment. For here wants the king of Judah to spend 37 years in confinement and in an instant, in a moment of time, he is free. You know, I have found over the years that many, many people get used to their captivity. They get used to where they are, to their sinful habits, to the patterns of their flesh. I've found that many people have made unforgiveness their best friend. That they have become friends and acquaintances with bitterness finding themselves having more conversations with themselves over the people they're upset with than real true prayer time with the Lord. I've seen how people can get used to their captivity and get used to their identity as being defined by their failures instead of the power of God. And I mean, to be in captivity for 37 years is quite significant. To, to make bitterness and resentment friends 
And sadly, some people would rather stay in their captivity than enjoy the freedom of the Lord and His grace and His mercy. Remaining in captivity is not the will of Jesus Christ for you. He wants to set you free. In a very real way, we are set free as we take the steps of forgiveness. In Jesus, there's newness and there's forgiveness from Him. But oftentimes, in response to the forgiveness extended by Jesus Christ, there is the choice to take the place of God in our own lives and live under the shadow of our own condemnation. Because anger and frustration will often lead to regret, and regret will often lead to condemnation, and condemnation will lead to death. It will stifle the very life of Jesus Christ out of us. And when you are unwilling, you know, in, one, in a Bible study I taught in Romans chapter 8, uh, we, Romans chapter 8 verse 1 is a beautiful truth that Paul gives us. We actually spent a couple weeks in that section. And in Romans chapter 8 it begins, there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ. And we spoke on the essence of that verse. I taught on the essence of that verse and what the words mean. And then in the next Bible study, it's a Bible study on how to move forward. So we understand what the Bible says. There is no condemnation and we believe it and we accept it and, and we understand it. But many times the difficulty is now, how do I live it? How do I live it? And one of the principles that I share in that is to forgive yourself to forgive yourself. Now I know the world system and the culture that we're in has totally ripped off that phrase. And the Bible version of that does not mean the way the world does. You see, when the world says forgive yourself, they speak of pampering yourself, taking care of yourself, eliminating it, put yourself first. You're the most important person, so make sure that you take care of yourself first. And, and that the Bible couldn't speak of anything different than the way the world teaches. Because from the perspective of God, the instruction to forgive yourself is not necessarily an act of power on your part, but rather an act of surrender in accepting the forgiveness of God. And you say, but Ed, you don't understand what I did. And perhaps I don't. But I can assure you that God does. And he loves you. And he sent his son Jesus Christ to forgive you. And so when you're to look to forgive yourself, it's simply a surrender in believing what God says about you. There is no condemnation. So when we choose the route, you may, we, don't, we may not use the word con condemn. We may not say condemnation. We may put it this way. When we choose to beat ourselves up over our failures, when there is forgiveness ready to be received, then what we are doing is we're placing ourselves in the place of God. And you're basically saying these words. These words are, maybe they don't verbalize from your mouth, but you're basically living out these words. And you're saying something along the lines of this. I understand that God forgives me, but if I was God, I wouldn't forgive me. And you stay stuck in that condition. And the release of that place of constant cycle of condemnation is surrender and accepting, and receiving, and agreeing that God has indeed forgiven me in Christ Jesus. It is a painful process because the forgiveness of God does not eliminate the consequences that come with our failures.
And because our consequences are always dogging our steps and we're always reminding, you know, it's very difficult. Sometimes God is very gracious and minimizes the consequences. Sometimes he's just so beautiful. But other times we feel the full weight of, of our own sinful decisions and consequences. And then somebody responds sinfully and now we've got to deal with that. And, and it's painful. It's a painful world that we live in. But the place of abiding and resting and receiving is the place of freedom. Receiving the forgiveness of God. And like Jehoiachin, some have a hard time not living in captivity and not living in the newness of life. If we can't forgive or if we can't receive forgiveness, we can't move on. We can't go forward. Unforgiveness, you can write this if you're taking notes. In your notes, you can write it in a little graphic. You can write unforgiveness and then the equal sign. Because unforgiveness equals stuck. Unforgiveness equals a prison of misery. Unforgiveness is often the source of why we're not making progress in our relationship with God. And so here in our text, primarily in, in Jeremiah 52, we observe the king of Babylon. He's not even a believer. He doesn't even love God. He, he doesn't care. And here we have the king of Babylon, not even a believer, showing more forgiveness than most give to others. You're listening to Abounding Grace with our Bible teacher and pastor, Ed Taylor. To give this a second listen, all you need to do is visit AboundingGraceRadio.com. Or you can listen through our app. That can be found in the App Store or Google Play by searching for Ed Taylor. Pastor Ed, as you were talking about forgiveness today, a question came to my mind. Sometimes people refrain from forgiving others because they don't want the offending party to think they're excusing their sinful actions or, or get away with it. Would you address that concern as we close? Larry, this is a real feeling. Uh, this, this is very accurate to how a person responds to great pain and challenge and there is this sense that if I forgive, I'm in some way approving of someone's sinful behavior. And just to say it out loud, that's not the case. You're not approving of anything. You're truly, by stepping into forgiveness, you're doing the exact opposite. You're acknowledging in a very real way that you were deeply hurt or you were hurt, maybe not even so deep, but that you were hurt, that an offense took place without an offense there would be no need for forgiveness. Rather than approving or letting someone get away with it, you are releasing yourself from the debt that is owed to you. You're released. You're letting God and His righteousness take over the situation rather than you in your mind. And as one of my pastor friends likes to say, you're not going to let the devil pay rent in your head anymore. It can't be in your life. You're not giving any room or any place to the devil when you forgive. So go for it. Step out in forgiveness. And in this particular Bible study in 2 Kings, um, this, is this particular study is directly related to the book I just wrote, Free From Your Past. You should get a copy at calvarystore.com, calvarystore.com. Or you can uh, email me. There's a pamphlet uh, available to you on the topic of forgiveness. Uh, that's free if you email me. The book 
uh, you're supporting missions with the book, but with the pamphlet that's free, uh, just email me, ed at edtaylor.org. A good word there for us. Thanks, Pastor Ed. Today, Pastor Ed made reference to a forgiveness pamphlet. And if you'd like us to send you the PDF, just email Ed right now at pastored at calvaryco.church. That's pastored at calvaryco.church. Abounding Grace is made possible through the generosity of our listeners. Each gift that comes in serves to help us present the teaching of God's Word on both the radio and Internet. And think of this, you'll be helping thousands all over the world learn about God's amazing grace and how to grow by it. And today, when you give a donation of $25 or more, we'd like to say thanks by sending you a useful resource. It's Spiritual Leadership by Oswald Sanders. You'll receive key principles of leadership in both the temporal and spiritual realms. Sanders points to great examples like Moses, Nehemiah, the Apostle Paul, David Livingstone, and Charles Spurgeon. And you'll learn about the cost of leadership, the responsibility of leadership, as well as the qualities and criteria of leadership. Just call 877-30-GRACE to make your request and donation today. You can also order online at calvaryco.store. Well, thanks again for joining us today for Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. May God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.